and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. So I'm avoiding the temptation I have to thank everyone in this building for every single thing they've ever done for me. And I'm just going to single out one person, in, and that is Jen Ainsworth, because she has just stepped down as a director for, for after 18 16 years, I'm just rolling it up there. It feels like 18, perhaps. After 16 years, she's just decided to step down as a director. She is still a very much a supporter of Q and of us and of me, and so I have no doubt about that. But I just wanted to publicly thank you. We did thank her at the director's meeting, but to publicly thank Jen for years and years of supporting and serving us here. So we're glad you're still with us, Jen. We'll rope you into something else, I've no doubt. Um, and in light of that, I've also got news that we're welcoming two new directors this month, and that is Chris Inkley and Claire Palmer, who's not here today. But again, really exciting. Um, the last year would not have been possible without so many of you stepping up to take some weight and to help. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am and a number of us are. And like I say, I would thank you all if I had time. So thanks, Jen. Thank you so much. And uh, glad you're still here with us. Um, I just wanted to share a few thoughts at the start of today that occurred to me um, as I was thinking about this morning and preparing. Um, some of that, the stuff in that video that I really liked, it says some of the things we know are wrong or incomplete, but it doesn't have to feel like a failure. It can be a relief. That's not always how we feel when we think, oh, we find something out that we didn't know. But actually, I really love that idea because having knowledge that turns out to be incomplete or even inaccurate actually happens to us all the time if we're open to it and actually really should if we're people who are still learning, people who are growing, people who are evolving in our understanding. And even the world is updating knowledge all the time as things are invented, created, uncovered and discovered. So actually... It's a great thing to realize, oh, well, I didn't know that. Oh, I'd got that wrong. And heck, crikey, there's more to this than I thought. That's actually a really good thing. But the reason why it can feel so scary is because we think if I'm wrong about that, I am wrong as a human being because of what that video depicted. It can really be our identity. And our knowledge as identity is actually quite a misleading and unhelpful thing because when we get into the rights and wrongs of what we know or don't know, it actually can send us down a really funny trajectory that doesn't actually help or serve us. Um, now, I actually had this experience recently where there was a knock at the door and... Um, it was a, one of the, I won't tell you which political party, but one of the political parties was at the door and it happened to be the party that I typically vote for. 
And so I relayed this to the person. And what happened over the next few moments was that this, this man literally just absolutely um, discounted and slated the opposing party for about three-minute monologue of, oh, great, I'm glad you vote for us. Aren't they terrible? They're terrible at this, they're terrible at that, they're terrible at the other. This utter contempt for the other party as I'm stood on the doorstep. And I've got to tell you, that doesn't work for me because just finding out what the other, other group's getting wrong, I, I, it doesn't ring my bell. So in the end, I said... Right, but can I ask you some questions? And I said, what are you going to do about this, this, this? And I named a couple of issues. I'm always particularly interested in education because that's been my field. And, and you know what? Bless him. I felt for him, but he couldn't articulate what his party were going to do better, but he could perfectly articulate with great passion what the other party were getting wrong. And we do live, and we all can fall into this trap of this rehearsed outrage at what's not right about the world because we sometimes then really struggle to articulate well go on then what would you stand for and what would you do in their shoes and so I would much prefer for I know that some of you'll say Jenny you're naive but I would much prefer for both of the major political parties to be finding the things that you can unite over for the sake of the rest of the country than it being a discrediting on either side and I'm not getting into politics but how on earth do we measure the rights and wrongs of all these things and how do we measure the rights and wrongs of things here at Q which is our responsibility at the minute. Now, some of you might say, Jenny, it's just really easy. You just measure it against the word of God. I tell you what, if that was easy, there wouldn't be so many expressions of religion in the world, so many denominations, even within Christianity, and church leadership wouldn't be so hard. Because actually... There's a lot of ways you can measure against the word of God. And so we have to find something that's a bit more nuanced and a bit more broad. And where I landed is that the mystery of the divine is something that is so incredible that can happen in groups like ours. And I thought about that tree that you can't see, but it says wisdom is like the baobab tree. Um, no one person can embrace it. And the reason why I continue to think that investing in here is worthy of my time and our time is that together, Together, we don't have to get bogged down in who's right or who's wrong. Whether what's being said from this stage is right or wrong, we can just with humility listen each week and think, that's interesting. Oh, I'd not thought about it like that. Oh, actually, let me hold up my ideas and see how they, they fare with this person who's willing to bring their heart. And I'm really interested in that. And that's why we have team. Um, but it can feel really wonderful to be the party that's right, able to pick holes in what's wrong. I'm currently reading a book all about outrage at the minute. And apparently outrage is something that can feel incredibly positive to human beings, especially when it's public. Because when we do our outrage in public, it can give us a real virtuous feel-good that we're on the side that can spot what's wrong. Um, now, I think we need to be wary of that, don't you? Because actually, in really um, sometimes positioning ourselves to withhold our generosity of spirit because we're not sure whether something's right or not, we can forget to pull up a chair. Do you remember years ago, we had an expression here that was for our Saturday night meeting that said, come along and pull up a chair. 
and listen to what's being served up and see what you might like. And you might taste some of it and think, that tastes great. And you might taste other bits and think, oh, this is a bit tough to swallow. I'm not sure I'm going to reach for that one again. But I want to invite you this morning to pull up a chair. Because the one thing that I know is that every day, Christ's inescapable ability to shine through others whenever I lower my right and wrong armor that can feel like it's protecting me and humbly put a, pull up a chair. I learn from people. I think people are amazing and I think we can all learn from one another. So if knowledge is going to puff up but love is going to build us up, I want to invite you this morning to find a loving heart towards everything that happens in the next hour and to pull up your chair. Because apparently the early church was known for its joy, not for its contempt. And I think that's a challenge to us all. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you all. First of all, I'd like to just, uh, on the back of what Jenny said, um, really express my gratitude and honour to you all. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, talking with a guy that I've, uh, I mentioned when I spoke the other week that I actually came across on Twitter. And he often asks me, he says, you know, well, do you have like a set standard belief that unites you all within, within your church? And when I answer, no, not really. Everybody has, you know, kind of diff slightly different views and whatever, but we come together to share our thoughts and ideas with the view that we're trying to unite over something positive um, and find truth within it all. And he just, he found that absolutely radical, like a radical idea. Because I even mentioned, even outside of the church, it's very hard to find that, right? It's not just the context of religion. Um, so what I want to say to you is I know that on everybody's journey in here, there'll be things that you hear that you don't agree with, as do I. Um, the fact that we show up and we sit together and we are willing to hear different people's point of views, I think is a really exceptional thing. Um, and I really think that you should be very proud of yourself in a way that we've walked this journey together and come to that. So I just want to honour you all and thank you again for being here this morning. And I'd also like to welcome Hannah. You've all probably seen her before. Can I, yeah, give her a round of applause, come on. Um, she's been part of the Q journey now for quite a few years. Um, we met through York University when I teach there. Um, and it's going to be so wonderful this morning for Hannah to share some of her thoughts again. I know that you all enjoyed the last time we spoke, which was about light. Um, we're going to delve into some different ideas this morning. But interestingly, we've been kind of planning this for a while as we've been discussing things. Uh, but you'll remember a few weeks back, we did a, a meeting in the back where we sat around the tables. Um, and we were talking about the purpose of Q, what we believe um, our ideas were. Um, in the process of deconstructing it all, like Jenny said, we know what maybe God isn't anymore, um, but what is it that we fall? What are the ideas that unite us? What brings us together? Um, it's easy to have a common enemy, but what is our common goal? And I think in a way, as we've walked this last 12 months particularly, that's what now we're trying to find um, as we move forward on the journey. So Hannah was obviously on our table on that day and she was able to share with, with us some of her ideas as well. And you'll probably remember from when we discussed this last time, Hannah's Jewish, so she comes from a different background to 
to us in here. Um, now, I mentioned last week I regularly speak with an atheist who have found our ideas and concepts of biblical teachings to be really interesting and insightful. It reminds me of Jesus causing such an offence to the establishment because his message was for all people, not just one set group. Now, Hannah, it's interesting because you come from a different background. I want to ask you this morning, can you share with us um, your journey of discovering Q and what it's meant to you? It was... Is this on? Yeah, we're on. It was actually back in 2018, I unintentionally stumbled across videos online from Q, which back then was The Rock. And almost immediately, I found a lot of the content really resonated with me. But actually, not quite all of it, because I had come from a different background of religion. Um, and it was over time, I became more open and receptive. That was quite a challenge, but over time, I became more open and receptive to listening to all of it because I realized that I could listen to it and accept it as part of the conversation without necessarily agreeing with it. And I think that process and inner dialogue is really strengthening. And it helped me discover that I had a lot of firmly held beliefs about myself, my life, the world around me. Actually, linking back to the video at the beginning, when it says, when you admit they're wrong, you have an unraveling sense of self. And that's really what I felt. Um, now, reflecting on my upbringing, I realized I was actually very fortunate that within our religion, I was never made to feel afraid, and I was allowed to pretty much do and think what I wanted. But there are plenty of parallels between the messages you've deconstructed within the church to themes present in other areas of my life. And that's why I think the lessons from Q are so valuable and accessible, because they can be applied to all aspects of life, without, even if you come from a different background. And I get asked quite a lot, like I did at the table um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And I sometimes find it challenging to articulate my faith and why it is that I come to Q. And the truth is, I'm still figuring it all out. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I saw a quote last night that I sent to Joel. And to paraphrase it, it said, my religion is all the paths that lead me to the light, which I really liked. I thought that was nice. And I'm on a quest for truth which, as Joel has said before, we find truth by eliminating as many contradictions as possible. And through the cycles of seasons of life that I talked about last year when we spoke, um, we have the opportunity to learn and grow each time getting closer to the center, getting closer to the truth. Brilliant. And then leading into, me, into the quote from Eat, Pray, Love on the physics of the quest, you have to be truly willing to regard everything that happens to you on your journey as a clue. And if you accept everyone you meet along the way as a teacher, and if you're prepared, most of all, to face and forgive some very difficult realities about yourself, the truth will not be withheld from you. And when we say accept everyone you meet as a teacher, that doesn't just mean leaders or people who describe themselves as teachers, but really listening to people, everyone you meet, every conversation, you should leave every conversation feeling enriched and feeling like you've learned something new. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So inspiring. And in a way, again, like what I said at the beginning, um, I hope hearing this from someone from a different background, a bit like when Rob said he discovered Q on the roof of a skyscraper in New York, um, that this is the impact that our what we're doing is allowing other people from all walks of life to connect with what it is that we're expressing, which I just think is absolutely incredible and really encouraging. And we've got a couple of slides that we picked out that kind of describe what you've just said perfectly there. Um, I don't know whether you've got them ready at the back. 
to put on? Oh yeah, here we go. So we are on a journey of becoming that which we already are. That is the impossible paradox of our lives. And then if you could put the next one up, please. Great. Everything in the universe is within you. Ask only of yourself. And then the last one. Oh, is, that's not the next one, but it's fine. The another one that we'd written down was, this is the beginning of loving yourself, welcome home, which I just think is absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, have you got any further thoughts on what you were saying? Yeah. Um, I'm really so grateful to have heard the sound of Q. And although we must be careful to avoid collectivism and institutions, we still want to create forums for discussion and ideas so that we can grow and become the best version of ourselves and most authentic version of ourselves. Um, so really, I want to say, like what Jenny said earlier, thank you to everyone who has stood on this stage and shared their truth and everyone who has been a part of the Q community. Um, because my journey the last few years would have looked significantly different without the messages that I've heard at Q. And I hope that me saying this is a bit of a reminder that we're not just drops in the ocean, we're a whole ocean in a drop, yeah. each creating ripples that can change lives on the other side of the ocean. And all you have to do is the next right thing. Oh, that's just awesome. So awesome. Amazing. Um, now, Jenny spoke a while back about the Bible is on the move. Can you remember that? Who knows? The, my, the Bible may be on the move. One of the things that came up on our table was, if the Bible as it currently stands didn't exist, do we believe we would still experience the divine? And that's quite a challenging question to ask. If God and truth is bound by the pages of one book, it limits the revelation we can experience. Reminds me of the scripture, the word is written not on stone, but in our hearts. It was all about, you know, the brickianity and, you know, that even we started with the song about breath, it's constantly moving. Now, the slide that you put up before, Phil, the one about myth, if you could put that up, that would be great. Thank you. Yes. So myth is not about what happened in past times. Myth is about what happens to people all of the time. Now, Hannah, are you able to share some of your thoughts on the Torah in relation, in relation to this slide? So in the discussions at Q, I've resonated with the exploration of who and what is God and deconstructing the myths that have become sacred when they shouldn't have. And in my interpretation, God isn't something that you can timetable into your life. It's not a to-do list where you can check a box it's the golden thread that lives and breathes and flows through everything, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. Like in the song that you sang earlier, Sound of Our Breathing. I'm glad you sang that because it's one of my favorites. Um, and it can be easy to fall into patterns of behavior and take on the empty traditions of our predecessors without understanding their origins and meaning. And then looking back at this quote, you can replace myth with Bible or Torah, I think. And as has been said before, whether the events in these books actually happened or not isn't really relevant. It's a piece of literature that echoes a sound and documents humans wrestle with God and with freedom. Although the stories in these books were presented within a specific culture, these are still the same issues that we face in our lives today. I remember the rabbi's wife once asking me whether miracles still happen today. And I think they do, we're just not as receptive to them happening. Um, we can read biblical texts as if they experience something that we can't. And if that's the truth, that confines God to a storybook and makes God very, very small. If read appropriately, I think the stories in the Bible reveal life lessons that we can still apply to our life today. 
I think it's interesting that Rob Bell had a, a fab quote that says, the Bible itself is a book that constantly must be wrestled with and reinterpreted. Bible interpretation is colored by historical context, the reader's bias and current realities. The more you study the Bible, the more questions it raises. It is not possible to simply do what the Bible says. Yeah. Would you say that that's kind of connected to what you Yeah, I agree. I think that some of the problems that arise today are when people try to apply the Bible or Torah um, to the present day without viewing it in the context of the time in which it was written and without considering any mistranslations or misinterpretations that have happened over the many years and generations. As Rob said, I think it was last week, um, these books were written by humans who are capable of error just the same as us. And if we then read these things incorrectly as well, we can end up stuck in the dark ages and not progressing as humanity. Yeah. Or we try and twist, twist the rules to fit them to our modern day lives and they end up becoming so disconnected and completely unrecognizable from the original intention. Now it's interesting, the Hebrew word Torah literally means direction or instruction. The root of the word relates to shooting an arrow and causing something to move straight and true. So perhaps the Torah was not intended to be a literal step-by-step -step guide on how to live your life, but a companion that sets your direction to aim for truth. Isn't that amazing? I saw your reaction there, Jenny, when she talked about the arrow. Isn't it interesting we used to talk about the arrow a lot with the direction of the birds flying together and being at the point. And I just think that when you said this week, I was like, yes, that's it. That's fantastic. That's, that's what it's about. It's about direction. Um, instead of being, um, the idea is that once you discover what God is not, you then read it through a very different lens. We were saying this at the beginning as we were speaking down there. Um, when you start pulling away or finding that which the story is trying to reveal to you, if there, there's something that's totally opposite to that, you can start understanding, well, we've missed the point there. What is it trying to say behind the message? Um, and you can see over the years, that's where sometimes we got a bit stuck. Because if you take everything so literally, it can lead you to make, actually making some incredibly incorrect decisions um, to the way that you live your life and doesn't bring forth any goodness from it. Um, have you got any more points on yeah. that? Um, so I think instead of being a dictatorial mandate, the Bible or Torah can be a living, breathing sound, and that's the sound of Q yeah, as well. I love that. Amazing. So on the back of the idea that the Bible or Torah is about direction, like the arrow, a sound more than a rule book, a breathing document rather than a sacred cow, what is the direction? Because that's really the question that we have to look at. Um, as I and Jenny have mentioned today, even at the beginning, it's, um, it's easy to be collectively united over a common enemy. Um, now, I know I joke about this a lot, <laughs> but maybe the Exodus and the children of Israel can teach us something, yeah? I, know, I said this last time, there's something about that story that seems to have so much in there, right? And I think sometimes we miss that. I know when, again, I go back to Ant doing It's Not My Destiny to Die in the Desert. And we were sat again before just talking about our ideas. It's interesting that even when you look at the idea of the Exodus and the children of Israel and then look at Jesus's teaching, the whole thing was about reminding people not to go back into slavery, but find the promised land. It was just a reiteration of that same story. Now, can you share your thoughts on the importance of freedom from slavery? Because I'm wondering whether that is part of the concept of the arrow and the direction that we're looking for. 
Just last week, we celebrated the festival of Pesach, or Passover, which commences with the Seder meal. And the word Seder means order, and it's called that because the meal is done in a particular order that takes us on the journey from slavery to freedom. And the evening begins with the youngest person present asking the question, why is this night different from all other nights? And it's then the duty of everyone else around the table to answer the question by retelling the story of how we were once slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt and God brought us into freedom. And this year there was one part that particularly stood out to me, which I'll read. If God had not done this for us, we may still be slaves today. Therefore, even if we have learned much and understood everything about our people's history and read the Torah many times, it is still our duty to retell the story of the departure from Egypt because the more one speaks of it, the better. So the focus is actually on freedom and gratitude for where we are today. And I also wondered whether it could be significant that Jesus' last supper was supposed to have been the Seder meal. Yeah. Yeah. And I only realized that when you'd said it, when we were discussing that this week, which I think is a really great thought. thought. We have spoken about this a lot over the last few months and the parallels between Jesus and then Paul reminding people they are no longer slaves, but sons I love the idea that we are delivered into sonship and the promised land being the place where we inherit that which was already rightfully ours. Jesus' last supper was trying to remind people not to be enslaved to the very same things that they had been freed from. And again, we've even looked at this with with the understanding of the death of Jesus and what it represented. And like you say, it's the idea of reiterating that you are free, you are delivered, and you need to be reminded of that, Um, which is why I think that that's definitely um, an important part of our journey in the direction that we're, we're going on. We talked recently about original sin and its origins and how it has shaped and formed Christian dogma all over the world. I know this is something that the Jewish faith doesn't believe in. Can you briefly share your ideas on this and how it actually aligns with a lot of what we have been learning here at Q? One of the Jewish daily morning prayers includes this line. My God, the soul you have given me is pure. You created it, you formed it, and you breathed it into me. Like you say, Jewish people don't believe in the concept of original sin. We believe that every soul is born pure and with great potential for good. I really loved the part in your talk when you said original blessing instead of original sin and how that resets the trajectory for your life. So we are born with a pure soul and given free will and then given the Torah as a guide to set us on the right direction and remind us how to navigate different life experiences. We also have... inclinations for good and evil, and we need both to be balanced and whole. The human experience was never supposed to be perfect. It was supposed to be whole. We left Eden to experience contrast and thus experience wholeness. Great thought. Fabulous thought. And lastly, we have delved into the idea of atonement over the years, and I know that this is a thought that we can develop even more in the coming months. Um, Appeasement, unearned guilt, shame, and how this philosophy can radically change what we believe about ourselves, others, and God. The idea that God is always demanding sacrifice. Anthony and Chris spent many years discussing the gospel and what Jesus' life and death were representing through a different lens. Looking for ideas then that unite us, can you share some thoughts on the idea of atonement and how we can maybe reclaim it as a force for good? 
So Yom Kippur is the Jewish Day of Atonement. It's part of the New Year celebrations. And leading up to Yom Kippur, we're given the opportunity to analyze our actions and understand what drives them, take responsibility, ask for forgiveness, and then vow not to repeat our wrongdoings. I was taught when I was younger that our sins are like stains on our soul, but on Yom Kippur, we are purified and cleansed. And we can rationally and objectively analyze our behavior and be cleansed because our wrongdoings are separate from us and we are not inherently evil. Lovely thought. Reminds me of when Ant spoke about repentance. This is many years ago now, where the word literally means to change direction or turn around. Um, It's not about saying sorry as a way of claiming you are unworthy. Um, It's a change of direction. It's a change of mind. Um, It's the idea that you are not taking on the sins of the world, but instead assessing your own life and what can be done to transform it. A bit like, Jenny, what you were talking about, humility at the the beginning. I think that, um, that it's important not to take on things that don't belong to you, but like you say, it can then, some can then argue, well, does that mean that you should just throw a caution to the wind and do whatever you want? No, it's about walking your journey and about understanding where you can transform your life based on your life experiences, which I think is how you grow as an individual. And like you say, good and evil is part of the contrast of life. And each one of us, along with others, are walking that and facing that every day. Um, Have you got any final thoughts on the Yom Kippur? Yeah, so if you come to Yom Kippur with the perspective that you're a bad person rather than a person who might have done bad things, you can't effectively atone and change for the better. That's also kind of linked to the difference between guilt and shame. Um, And I read this article and I've adapted a section of it. The most essential element for a thorough cleansing and repair is the knowledge that you are always connected, always loved, never rejected, that the stains and damage are only external, that your true self never underwent any change at all. With that knowledge, the cleansing of Yom Kippur happens in an entirely different modality. It begins not with a scrubbing down, not with remorse, not with pain, but with a joyful, blissful awakening that you are loved, you always were loved, and now it's time to come back home, which links back to the quote at the beginning. So awesome, yeah. And you can see already, the ideas that unite, can you feel it? It's, there is more in a way, that thread that runs through it, that unites than anything else, and I think it's incredible. I don't tend to discuss the afterlife much, but on what you've said there, um, it's, it's interesting because if there's anything that I feel the afterlife would be, it's that sense of absolute pure alignment with everything that your soul is. If you think about it, the whole journey of life is a wrestle with, like we say, finding truth, finding meaning. And, and since the dawn of time, everybody's been going through that same wrestle. Uh, but like you say, the purest positive element of your soul being the very essence of who you are, I believe that if there is a new earth and a new heaven that's being created, that that's ultimately what it would, what it would be and what it would look like. Um, have you got any final thoughts on that? Yeah, so just to sum up about Yom Kippur, although it is a serious day and it's known as the holiest day in the Jewish calendar, it's actually a celebration of our connection to God and to other people. We ask for forgiveness from God, other people and ourselves in order to repair our relationships and become better. So I really think at its core, beneath all of the traditions and laws and everything that you're supposed to do, Judaism is about creating positive influences on the world and celebrating life. Lovely, amazing. 
So at the beginning, I talked about what Q means to me and how it fits into my journey. So if I can throw it back to you, I know that Q is significant to you and you are also significant to Q. So can you share in your words what it is that you value about Q? I certainly can. <laughs> so I value that we are part of a conversation that has been going on since the beginning of time. Every generation that exists has the opportunity to contribute to the ever unfolding universe and leave our mark. It reminds me of the Beyonce song, I Was Here. I want to leave my footprints in the sands of time. I wanna say I lived each day until I died and know that I did something in somebody's life. The hearts I have touched will be the proof that I lived, that I made a difference and this world will see. I will value that we are assisting people in reaching their full potential. And I think for me, it's the idea that we are truly leaving our mark and write, rewriting the story. Um, and that will ultimately be a part of other people's expression in the generations to come. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so you mentioned assisting people. And we have had so many wonderful and enlightening conversations over the years, which I'm very grateful to you for. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to how you have approached the topics because of the journey you've been on at Q. So from your perspective, how does what you have learned, how does what you have learned, is that a sentence? At Q, help in your life and your interactions with other people. Um, so for me, I think, and what I've learned over the years is that many of us um, live our lives by default so that you can go through life um, on whim in a way um, and not truly be thinking about what it is that's happening in order for you to grow. Now, my dad always used to shout at me when we used to have conversations around the table. He used to go, well, people think that. And he went, stop assuming that people think, he'd say to me. And I'd be like, well, don't they? And he said, no, not all the time, no. And you can assume in a situation just because you've analyzed something that everybody else automatically goes through life thinking about every decision, etc. And that's just, you know, not necessarily the way it is. Um, and that's not to be rude or critical anyway. That's just people are wired differently. Um, I would say sometimes um, you can overthink things and then miss things. So you're not living in the moment and you're constantly so concerned to analyze everything that you're not truly embracing what's happening in the moment. But at the same time, I do believe that growth does occur from being willing to question and analyze that which we think and feel and believe. Um, for me, I have found that our time together teaches me how to achieve, grow, be happy and fulfilled and offers to me the fundamental principles that can guide me through my life. Now, I think of Jesus dealing with the very disparaged people who had accepted that they were somehow flawed and diseased, that they were outcasts. And I think that Jordan Peterson's concept aligns beautifully with the Jesus message. You have to treat yourself like you matter and that you are a positive force for good. To live your life ashamed and guilty outside of what is rational doesn't serve either myself or those around you. So for me, Q is the modern day ecclesia. We've said this for years. It's a place where we can come and reason together, not being taught what to think, but how to think. I think it gives us the confidence to deal with reality as it stands and as it is, not to deny it or avoid it, but to face it head on. 
Now, growing up, I struggled because I felt it's quite different in a way to what you'd said earlier, very different. I know we've had this conversation before. I kind of felt concerned and worried that I felt like an outcast, in particularly when I was at school, that I just felt different from everybody else and that somehow because I was religious or Christian that I wasn't able to connect or understand their way of thinking, which is really such a shame because the fact is we're all from the same race, we're all human. And the fact that I felt so disconnected just to me um, really wasn't nice when I was growing up. Um, one, of, one of the most, what's that say? This is in English. Freeing, sorry, yes. One of the most freeing things was realizing dogmatic religion um, offers canned answers so to speak, without encouraging people to come up with their own ideas. So interestingly, you know wherever you go, different types of religion or ideologies, whatever, will have set answers to questions. I remember watching an interview a few weeks back where it was actually again with Jordan Peterson, and he answered and he said, you would say that, I want to know what you think. And they were kind of like, uh, and then repeated the answer again. It said, yeah, I could ask anybody from your group the same question and they would give exactly the same answer, which is fine if that's what you actually believe, but I want to know what it is that you're currently thinking and then we can have a good conversation. And I think that's really, really powerful. And the truth is, everyone is looking for a context and a frame of reference as to how, they, how to live their lives. And as we have spoke about, the Bible and the Torah is showing us this, and we are now invited to add to this ever-unfolding story. So that's really my thoughts on the whole thing, and that's obviously Hannah's, and I hope that that's made a lot of sense to you. You've been able to see our journey and how it unites. And ultimately, the goal of all this is, over the next few months, is finding what are the values and ideas that bring us together. And ultimately, I believe that that's where Q can grow. Because um, truth be told... People are looking for a philosophy to guide their lives. Everybody is. Um, I got to the stage recently where I thought, well, is there any point in it all? Um, people can get things online and things um, and find things anywhere. But I do genuinely believe that people are looking for a context of, for their lives. And I believe that Q is part of that. So be encouraged. Um, remain focused as part of the journey that we're on. It's about direction. We're shooting the arrow. Um, and again, if you now want to contribute any of your ideas, come and discuss with us. And we'd love to hear them. So thank you again, Hannah. And I hope that's thank been you. helpful. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>